Welcome back to What's Happening Now, episode two, show two, week two. James O'Malley here again. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. How has is, how is your week been, James? Uh, it's been a very exciting week. I've been mired in politics. I've been hanging on Liz Truss's every word, your, your best friend, Liz Truss. Oh, my days. We have we have some things to feedback from last week. So, so we really appreciate the feedback, the comments, the encouragement. No mm. active discouragement. Did you have any hate mail? No, everyone said, you know, everyone seemed rather pleased. Relieved, relieved. My darling wife said to me, I expected it to be much worse. So, <laughs> appreciate High it. praise indeed. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Um, a special shout out to Richard, who emailed to say, I can confirm that helium is an extremely valuable resource. That's good to know. That's good to know. Richard, you didn't actually tell us if we were running out. Uh, you just confirmed it was uh, valuable, which, which now just makes the mystery... <laughs> go on into a second week. But uh, thanks for Richard and thanks for everyone who has got in touch. More helium news next week. Well, don't make it a thing. <laughs> we need to just cover the helium world uh, in this show. So James, this yep. week we, uh, we're we moving on from education, not forever, it's still mm. important, still matters, uh, to a new topic. We're going to be talking about transport, we're going to talk about yes. cars, World Car Free Day later in the show. Here we go. And we're joined by special guest comedian Anoji. Uh, is joining us for the uh, for the show later. Now, when you refuse to tell me his surname, uh, I think it's a Madonna thing. I think it's a share. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a brand identity thing. But we'll try and get that out of him. He'll be with us later. So, Sam, what's been uh, going on? Have you been watching uh, your best friend Liz Truss's speech? It, it's really stressful, James. We did we did the openness of the show last week. It was talking about Liz Truss, and I was like, okay, good. That's out of my system. We can move on and we can start show two in a different way. Mm. She popped up again, didn't she? Uh, <laughs> headline, Liz Truss urges PM to cut taxes a year after Downing Street exit. Mm. Thanks for the advice, Liz. Uh, your area of expertise. Um, my only question to you is, what counts as failure in politics? <laughs> I would have thought about 44 days in power and killing the Queen. That would surely count as failure, wouldn't it? Yeah, she's still, <laughs> she's still here. <laughs> Just for the lawyers listening, I'm not accusing Liz Truss of killing the Queen. I think it was just a massive coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> coincidence. Oh, you can't see the, uh, the the quotation marks I'm making the air on, on the podcast. Okay. She definitely killed the Queen. Quotation marks again going into you. That's Sam saying that. Sam Hampson and not me. Uh, definitely not me. Anyway, tune in next week for more Liz Truss news. So this week we are joined by the comedian Anoji. Hello. Hello. Now, Anoji, you refuse to tell me your surname. What is what is going on? Okay. okay. So recently, I just started going by Anoji Demudia. Okay. So yeah. you'll tell me now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> podcast first. I decided to bring my dad proud, apparently. Okay. It's, we've all got daddy issues. Or father issues. Daddy sounds too sexy for this podcast. Um, that's, that's good to know. We're learning about each other. And Anoji, and I did give you the, the teaser into that you refused to tell me. And then you just went, oh, I'll tell you, you'd be rubbish under torture. You just immediately <laughs> gave up the information. So good. It's good to have you here with us. Um, how have you been? How's gigs been this week? I assume you've been oh, yeah, hitting yeah. the circuit. It was awesome. 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 That's, yeah, yeah. Is that your review of your own work? Yep, I nailed it. Yeah, I did nail it. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I did nail it. I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I mean, you know, when you finish a gig and everyone's coming to you like, ah, 
you're not even a headliner and you're like the star of the show. So. No, I don't know that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but now you do. It's awesome, man. No, I do. It's There's a real difference after you come off a show, right? Sometimes you have a good one and that's that yeah, great. And there are good days and there are bad days. When you get good day, you celebrate it. But the, the difference is in the eye contact you get from people after the show, who are like other comics or other people in the venue or the crowd or whatever, they come and say, oh, good gig in very different ways. They're like, oh, that was amazing. You're so good. You're wonderful. I love you. Great. And they go, good gig. Well done. You tried. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, thank you. I get that. Yeah. Um, So I'm glad it was a good one. A good good week. Great one. Great one. A great one. I didn't even do it justice. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for taking time out of uh, of just just nailing it uh, for being here with us today. Thank you very much. Um, Have you had a chance to see the news amongst your your busy schedule? Have you caught any stories that grabbed your attention? Oh, yeah. I've got caught a lot. The first one I would like to talk about the the ban on the, the ban on dogs, uh, like not all dogs. XL breeds, you know, yeah. like um, you know, for me, I think I think it's not really defined. I like big dogs, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I cannot lie. Sure, yeah, I like big dogs, and uh, because I feel like this uh, small ones, you could, I, I can easily kill them because I'm. Pardon? Yeah, I can easily kill them because because. Okay, accident. and you like a challenge? Yeah, by accident. Because I know he's had one small. great gig and he's like, "What next in life? I'm gonna wrestle a bear." <laughs> um, you know, so I really do like big dogs, and now uh, it's not properly defined when they say XL breeds. No, because some some of these dogs, despite their sizes, are really docile. So I've not, I've not, I look, I'm a dog person, but I've not really followed this massively. The bully XL element of it, it's not like an official name. XL is literally a size thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. My understanding is that the breed isn't like there's no official dog database where they've said this is what this is how you define the breed. But then there is the, the I mean, the reason it matters is because the law that bans certain breeds of dogs, the the, the uh, the Dangerous Dogs Act or the Misuse of Dogs Act. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Misuse. Of, I think I was thinking Misuse of Drugs from last week. I think it's Dangerous Dogs. Uh, but it bans uh, four breeds of dog, the Pitbull Terrier, the Japanese Tosa, the, do- the Doggo Argentine. I'm doing a bunch of these pronunciations. And the, and the Fila Brasileira or something. These are getting worse. There's two, two South American dogs in there. I don't know why. So it's a racist ban list, is yeah. it? That's what we're saying. And, um, and I, I guess they're going to... Adds uh, the, the bully XL to this. I didn't know this evil dog existed uh, until a few weeks ago. And there's been stories about this that have provoked this conversation, right? So it's not yeah. come from nowhere. Um, I do know. I do know there there was a recent um, event where a dog mowed down on an 11 year old. I mean, our kids need to be um, safe. You know, so regardless of the fact that we consider dogs as family members, mm. we also need to make them safe family members. And we're a nation of pat of, of pat lovers, not pat yeah. uh, pat butcher <laughs> uh, from Eastenders. No, we are a nation of pet lovers. Um, but it's it's responsible pet ownership is the question here, right? Yeah, responsible mm. pets is because in in Nigeria where I grew up, um, uh-huh. did I had this story where uh, you go. People do. Ha- people have dogs, and if you mess with them, they could just let your dogs out on you. Now, <laughs> oh, that's not quite <laughs> so what we're in. Yeah, for. it's just like I mean, over here you have people having pets as member of the family, just like mm. uh, letting you lo- your, your last your last born out, you know, to chase the neighbor. It's it. That's that's that's. That's, that's what I do as a parent. I can't wait to have kids <laughs> just to set them on Barry next door. You know, um, but I think um, we also need to put in a responsible um, pet ownership into consideration and yeah there are some breeds that are really 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 dangerous 
not gonna lie. Mm. They may be meek, they may be dozed out at some point, but sometimes the, the, the instinct kicks in and at that point you can't really stop it. Mm. So James a- James, politically, where's this come from? So what's interesting I think is this this is basically obviously it's been a problem for a while. These dogs have been attacking people and they're responsible for, uh, I think, something like uh, six of the ten uh, last, uh, most recent sort of fatal dog attacks. But basically, the reason it's become a big thing is because people have been kicking up a fuss about it on Twitter. It's basically one guy on Twitter whose name I, I escapes me, I'm afraid. Um, but he was relentless in pursuing this and managed to sort of raise the profile of the issue to the really? point where it, it got you know the Prime Minister's attention. Is that true? I trust yeah. you. You're, you're logic is on your side. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. This is, this is this is this is certainly what I heard, and, I, and I'm sure there's uh, you know there's been a discourse for much longer, but it appears that that's what sort of uh, tipped it over because Built that's what raised it into the public consciousness, uh, and it is sort of fascinating. I think. How do we feel about that? Conflicted because obviously Twitter is a very questionable place. X.com. I'm not calling it X.com. No, so, I know. Someone made I a very good point. All right. So, oh, sorry, guys. You two, you two are, <laughs> we've sat in the studio. The, the two of you have sat opposite me. And, and my ex constantly in the <laughs> <laughs> X.com. It's so, just traumatic relationship memories. I, I, I think the way to think about it is, and I'm stealing this from someone on, on Twitter, not X, um, no. who said, Twitter is our word, much like we call Germany, Germany. Even they, the people there themselves call it Deutschland. Hey, yeah. Just because just because Elon Musk calls it X doesn't mean we have to. We can call it Twitter. Soon. Fine, it's a yeah. cultural thing. Okay. <laughs> right. um, but but why have the conservatives kind of gone? Okay, man mm. on Twitter and people with legitimate concerns, we're going to do this. I think it's a very easy. I think it's a, a way they can sort of effectively take action. Aside from the sort of merits of whether you should or shouldn't do it, and there's a a big debate over that. I'm not a scientist. I can't wade in on the nature nurture stuff. But this is a thing where it doesn't require Parliament to have a vote. There's not going to be a big uh, contentious thing. This is literally, uh, you know, the government ministers can make a decision and say, we're going to ban this dog and put it on the prohibited list so they can look decisive. And obviously, uh, because of the nature of the attacks, it's quite a big tabloid story. So as you can imagine, over the, you know, whenever they right. happen now, because it's become a notorious thing, they'll get a lot of press coverage. Going to get some headlines. Uh, and, yeah. I, I, I noticed a few weeks ago, I, there was just, I was getting push alerts uh, from like news apps saying, oh, another American bully XL has, has attacked someone else. And I'm thinking, that, that's only happening. Normally, a dog attacking someone probably wouldn't be a big story unless they killed someone. Mm. But because it became a sort of meme Snowball's in news, going, it's right. like a snowball, isn't it? I mean, there was like, uh, it was like a rampage, loads and loads and loads of video evidence coming up online. It was just too much. And Social media fuels mm. these things, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it does fuel it, but I mean, these attacks were real, so yeah, yeah, yeah. come on. Sure. It feels convenient, though, for the Conservatives at the moment that it's a good chance for them to say we are the party of law and order and we can do laws guys mm. we can we can do something that is decisive like you say it reminds me of do you remember a few about a year ago when they had to kill geranimo the um Rest the alpaca peace. yeah yeah um like you could sort of tell they they loved the story because it got the, the government the tories got to sound tough they were sticking it to the alpaca and they expected <laughs> sort of wimpy, that's not what i took to, from the and, story and, at the and time. you expected wimpy labor to sort of go oh no don't kill the poor little animal even though it made <laughs> sense from animal control uh, yeah. perspectives and like it's really interesting so i think if jeremy corbyn was in power i'm just putting words into his mouth now i think he would have been less decisive on killing the alpaca whereas keir starmer because he wanted to show he was tough too he was yeah. like no kill it dead is that how um, you see all politicians? It's would you or would you not kill an alpaca? I think it's I think it's quite a good uh, sort of <laughs> acid test for like how tough a politician is. Jer- Jeremy Hunt would he kill an alpaca? Oh, I think he I think he would equivocate. I think he would I think he would pretend to moralise over it, but then he would. Then he would. An- Angela Rayner? N- uh, no, 
I think, I no? Think, I, don't, I don't know. It's pretty, this is the hardest nails, Angela. Angela Rayner, I'd say. I think she'd probably kill it with her own hands. <laughs> like she, she, I don't even think Rishi would kill it in a barber. No, no, I, he let someone else do it. Oh, he yeah, he'd pay try. a man to do it. Yeah, he'd pay a man. Yeah, <laughs> he'd just pay someone to do it. Yeah, and and forget to ask if it ever happened. Um, I'm just thinking of different politicians and killing different animals, which is probably not the way we should take this show. <laughs> uh, put that on the newsletter for a knockout system of World Cup of politicians killing animals. I don't know. We'll figure out the details later. Uh, James, what mm. story has tickled your fancy this week? Yeah, so um, this is a this is a boring political story, but it's important because it's about the subjects everyone hates discussing, which is Brexit. Oh, so okay. this is this is an interesting story because Keir Starmer this week uh, he went to France to meet President Macron. It was seen as this big moment where he could look very prime ministerial, mm-hmm. uh, like the prime minister in waiting. Um, and he's basically what's really interesting is it's the first time he's sort of shown that maybe just maybe we might be going a little bit back further towards Europe because since because uh, France is in Europe and well, he Fran- went to France well, get well exactly and like for the past few years everything Starmer's been doing as part of the project and it makes sense from a sort of cynical political perspective has been oh no Brexit of course we, we, we don't want it to undo Brexit uh, we don't want to join the customs union the single market and all this stuff because we, we you know we, we accept Brexit but this week he sort of said um, he said um, he's going to renegotiate the the Brexit he deal sort of said. Europe. He sort of said. Did he say he was going to renegotiate the Brexit deal? He did it in a very limited way. He said almost everyone recognises the deal Johnson struck is not a good deal. It's far too thin, and the sort of implication is that they want to sort of strike. There's never going to be. We're not going to join uh, the single market or the customs union, but the, we're going to basically do like a veterinary agreement to make uh, moving animals around. Easier, we're going to have some agricultural like standards. Alpacas to kill, we exactly. need to import them. If we them. want to send any alpaca, or if we want to send alpaca meat from freshly killed alpacas to France, maybe that'll be a bit easier under a Labour government. That's the growth. <laughs> that's the growth plan. Look, I am suspicious here, James O'Malley, mm. that you want this to be true. I am a dyed in the wool remainder. My house is painted blue and yellow, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I can't hide my biases here. But it does seem things are shifting, and basically. The weird thing about Brexit at the moment is, though the, the polling of the general public suggests that upwards of 60 or 70% of people would probably rejoin if there was a pro- referendum, and there's loads of caveats on that number I won't get into, but basically none of the political parties want to talk about it because it's not in their political interest. But the expectation is from sort of everyone who knows what they're talking about, uh, and I only partially include myself in that, mm. um, is, I'd include af- you fully. is mm. after the election... Uh, we're going to have to do some sort of bigger deal with Europe because if we want to grow the economy, then the way to do that is to reduce trade barriers and to reduce friction. And the way to yeah. do that is to align ourselves with Europe a bit. But no one can really say that. So don't there's really going to be something that happens. Don't really know how to put it, but things are not going well at the moment. So we need to, something yeah. to change, right? Yeah, I think uh, even the Brexit was, wasn't was really a well-thought-out plan. It just, mm. just and like not you what? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really thought, thought out because it was, just, it was just a way for the tourists to like put their foot down and say, yeah, we're rigid we did something mm. yeah you know, they didn't really think about the the, the other sides about of it and that's mm. why it's feeling like we're in a bottleneck not not to make this a brexit podcast because like other people are far better qualified for us mm. than that but it's still relevant like it, it's eight, be, eight years on seven it's going years to be on? relevant for it because i'm stealing this opinion from the ft's uh brexit guy who i was listening to um, Does he have a name? Let's credit him properly. I, I can't remember his name. The name will be in the newsletter. Um, oh, but, sign um, up now. But he, he was basically making the argument of well, usually when something happens, when there's a, a natural disaster or uh, something bad happens, uh, you know, it's bad. There's a 
policies that are impl- implemented to try and fix it, and then we sort of carry on and, and things then get better, better after that. With Brexit, it's going to be a constant renegotiation because Brexit yeah. isn't a fixed thing because Europe keeps changing as well. So whenever Europe introduces a new law, when if they introduce a carbon tax, that's going to impact us even if we're not in the European Union. Yeah. So there's always going to be this constant negotiation because ultimately we, re- we still live, despite everything, really close to Europe and do yeah. a lot with Europe. And yeah. so they're always constantly going to be in our lives. It's like, you know, it's like the ex you can't quite leave because you've got X. shared com. kids or whatever. We've got yeah. issues, guys. This has become a men's rights kind of uh, rant, rantathon <laughs> about our exes, but it's true. That's enough Brexit chat. It is. Anyways, Brexit, <laughs> Brexit is here to stay. We're just going to keep making tweaks here and there to fix it and make it perfect to work for the British people. It will be here forever and yeah. ever, and that's what we always wanted. Yeah. So my story this week uh, is another flavour of the world. I feel like last week I did... What did I do last week? Mexico. Mm. Uh, we've just done Keir Starmer in France. Mine is from the good old United States of America. Tell us. <laughs> um, I've built it up too much now. Guys, have you ever lost a fighter jet? What? What? <laughs> uh, my favorite story of the week was that the US military lost an F-35 fighter jet, and they literally just went, has anyone seen it? Has anyone, guys, <laughs> has anyone seen our jet? I mean, just put this hmm. into context. Like, what's the size of this of this fighter jet? Oh, I, like, big? I think it'd be quite hard to lose a plane. I think it'd be understandable to lose a plane, but mm. you'd think that the biggest military on the planet, or one of the biggest militaries on the planet, would be able to track it and know where it's and gone. And you're like, uh, has anyone seen it? It was very much the message. They, it was they, 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 <laughs> they sort of said, listen, how bad? Like, we obviously didn't mean for this to happen, but has anyone seen a jet? Uh, mm. I think it was in North <laughs> Charleston. Uh, the pilot ejected for an unknown reason. I think he 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 was fine. The jet has since been found. They found debris anyway, because obviously that jet didn't run off into the fields oh, and live a happy found life. It. I was going to say, if they've checked Facebook market, or <laughs> next door, you know, is that <laughs> Craigslist or something. You know? I love the idea that somebody's just come across and gone, oh, finders keepers. Yeah, finders <laughs> keepers, you know. It's, it's, I think we're, we're recording this podcast now and um, the, the story, the latest is that debris has been found, which is, which is understandable. But I just mm. love that low key attempt to, to manage that, that message of going, right, hands in the air. It's happened. Help us find Help it. The person I feel it. bad for is is the pilot because it's an eighty million dollar aircraft, and you know he's responsible for for that happening. He's alive, so it's a good well, thing. But James, like, you say he's responsible. Uh, the 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 reason was put down to a mishap. Ah, <laughs> the well, military well, officials said. Why didn't anyone say so? That, 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 that explains it. I have no further questions. His finger slipped. Um, he but, ejected. I don't know. But oh, so, so what I'm seeing is um, he ejected. That means. Uh, this, de- there was definitely a problem somewhere, and the the plane. Well, the, kept pr- the going. problem was that he wasn't in the plane. I think, yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> and the plane kept going because it was on autopilot, right? Uh, and it, so it just flew out of the radar. <laughs> it's it's the, again. It, this time of recording, officials are still investigating why the pilot ejected. They're using words like mishap, which is like a, just one step up from an oopsie. Um, <laughs> but local congresswoman Nancy Mace gave a lovely quote about this, which I think sums up my views on it. Is how in the hell do you lose an F-35? How is it not a tracking device? And we're asking the public to what? Find a jet and turn it in? Yes, Nancy, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> um, that's exactly what happened here. Uh, there's no tracking. They just went, hmm, it's gone. 
So, so one other thing I wanted to throw into this because I know we all want context for what how how bad it is to lose a jet like this. So the jet, like I say, eighty million dollars. Uh, just for comparison, uh, Liz Truss, when she crashed the economy, she wiped off three hundred and forty billion dollars uh, from the British stock market and the bond market. So it's like Liz, it's like basically what Liz trusted. She crashed effect- effectively four thousand two hundred and fifty-five jets. <laughs> did you do the maths? I for did this? the ma- I did the maths on this. Whoa, Liz, that's such a visual way of putting it. <laughs> Crashing the economy, it's like, oh, well, it's just one economy. But 4,250 fighter jets. 4,250. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Now, weirdly, I'm kind of impressed that Liz got all them all up in there at once. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, do you know what? Fair play to you. That's a lot of fighter jets, Liz. Congratulations. Um, well, great, guys. Thank you so much. This is, that's been, uh, what else has been happening this week? And James, we're now moving on to a big topic of yours. Yes, my favorite topic. Earlier on, I sat down with James to quiz him on one of his many areas of expertise. So, James, a big week Mm. for you particularly. I feel like this is relevant for you, but for the world in general, Mm. um, Christmas, Easter, all the major holidays. And this Friday, the 22nd, is World Car Free Day. Is that right? It, it is. It's an important day because I hate my car. So okay. I, I'm delighted to see uh, World Car Free Day uh, be a thing. It's a big day. celebrated every year. Uh, often there are... <laughs> I, see, I set this up as a joke and now I'm like, maybe he does. Maybe maybe it's a thing <laughs> in the O'Malley household. I, I like to ride on a train on a day to reassert my, my credentials as a public transport <laughs> enjoyer. Um, but be, be, you know, governments around the world, they will do things. Local authorities, often they'll close roads and say to kids, hey, you can play in the road for this day to celebrate <laughs> a, a lack of cars. Kids and don't play roads uh to all our child listeners out there don't play in roads uh, yeah and um i i think the i think the, the intention is to basically highlight that we can live a world in a world with fewer cars we don't need all the cars that we need and there are other options out there. so i got excited when i first thought it was a car a, a day giving out free cars uh, it's not that <laughs> uh it's also not banning cars it's not a war on motorists it's mm. an initiative to say you know that actually pedestrianizing streets and making cities more livable is a good thing God forbid we uh, yeah, make, make streets more livable by re- removing the number of cars, by encouraging people to take public transport so that everyone can get around a bit quicker. If everyone uh, took the bus or a bike, it would be much easier to get around a city like London. If you imagine the amount of road space a car takes up, uh, for, you know, often you get a massive car with just one person in it, absolute nightmare in terms of if everyone's in a car, squeeze all these people into a bus or onto bikes and you can fit many more people in a city and just everything works a lot better. So this podcast wants to be, this whole project wants to be optimistic. Mm. We're, we're here to find the good news and to find the better world out there. Mm. This isn't going to happen, is it? <laughs> like people, people love their cars. People like, there's more people in cities. The traffic is getting worse. Like there's, mm. you know, road and infrastructure work. Mm. How realistic is this, James? I, I think we're getting better. If a lot like the the sort of the thinking amongst sort of city planners and, and the like is against uh, more car stuff. In the in the sixties, for instance, uh, Britain rather famously we ripped massive holes in our cities to build motorways. Uh, in London, we built these massive. Uh, there was a big plan for this big uh, ring road internal in London around like central London. But yeah, but by, so by the comparison of just a few decades ago, everyone has sort of on board with it. And if you look at the developments, even over the last sort of ten. Uh, years or so like cycling infrastructure has got a lot better London again this is my go-to example because you know we live in London this is the city we know 
But um, liberal metropolitan elite. Yeah. But yeah. if you look at the number of cycle lanes in London today, they've exploded. And like all of the or many of the boroughs, not all of them, Kensington and Chelsea. I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> I've got I've, you know are really into uh, building cycle lanes uh, and, and so on. We've got the the cycle superhighways, which is being masterminded by uh, Transport for London and the, the London Mayor. And basically, by creating uh, by changing the road space by readapting our um, our physical space, you're shifting the incentives. What? does it take to get on a bike because i'll be honest with you mm. i'm a little scared i see these people going around and, and they are good at biking mm. well this is the thing right because it shouldn't be on us to just be confident and brave enough to brave to brave the traffic and go out on a bike because that can be very scary and that's why uh, in, in my completely impartial view we need the governments to build more cycle lanes because once you build cycle lanes which are segregated from the rest of the traffic so if you've ever been to the Netherlands or to Denmark in my view the Netherlands is like this perfect utopian society why don't you just go and live there James I, if, I, if only <laughs> if only we have freedom of movement I'd be, I'd be sorely tempted <laughs> at this point and, but if you look at like how the Netherlands does things they've got cycle lanes on basically every single uh, major roads uh, across their entire country and because of it people think oh it is safe to, to have a go on a, on a bike because yeah. there's, there's just less danger so if, if you can de-risk it by having the infrastructure there to support it then that's something we should do I think the um, the only thing more intimidating than seeing London cyclists and going oh, I can't do that is going to the Netherlands seeing my Dutch family and like <laughs> the five year old being a better cyclist than I am and I'm like oh yeah okay well I'm, I'm, this mm. is not for me uh, <laughs> know your place in the world mm. and uh, I was going to say, and the really interesting thing about bikes as well at the moment is the rise of e-bikes over the last few years. So again, over the sort of last ten years, e-bikes have become affordable and they've had good, sort of good enough range to be viable because of improvements in battery technology. Mm. And if you like, in again in places like the Netherlands, they account for a significant proportion of bike sales now, and they're genuinely sort of transformative devices because they allow people to go much further. Uh, a bit quicker, but not too fast to not kill people. And crucially, they don't make you a big sweaty mess when you get there. Because I'm a big fat man. Okay. I would love to bike more. but it, that, That's you know, not it, the marketing campaign, yeah. I don't think, is it? And I, but I don't want to get to my meetings as a big sweaty mess. Whereas if we have more e-bikes which I uh, and take cycle lanes, we can get there faster and and everything be fine. And just live this beautiful utopian life where we bike around and it'll be just idyllic, you know? Uh, idyllic. No big fat sweaty men turning up to meetings. Uh, that, that would be amazing. Great. Mm. Well... <laughs> I've got a challenge for you. Mm. You've maybe got one minute to talk me through e-bikes, e-scooters, and what's happening now with that world. Right. So e-bikes, they're fine. They're legal. I think they're legally limited to, off the top of my head, about 15.5 miles an hour. E-scooters... Off the top of your head, the 0.5. Okay, I'm going to uh, check that. Fact check. E-scooters, they're actually, despite every sort of youth and hoodlum in the country having one, they're actually illegal. They're not legally allowed on the pavements. What the, the heck? Roads. Hoodlums are breaking laws. Yeah. This this is the... Th <laughs> all, all your local yobs, they're, they're technically breaking the law, <laughs> would you believe? Uh, they basically... You're such an old man in a garden <laughs> shouting at the world. <laughs> but the, this, but the, the annoying thing is, right, they're brilliant, e-scooters. If you think about it, you've got this amazing sort of miracle device, which is tiny, can propel people really fast. There's so much more sort of... Uh, there's so many mobility problems uh, they can solve in terms of us getting around places without the need for cars. They're brilliant for like last mile things. You can imagine if we all had e-scooters, we could uh, you know, put them at train stations and, and take them home to get that last little uh, stretch of the way. So the, and, ask, the and last so mile idea is, is you know, you get the tube, you get the bus a lot of the way, like most mm. of the journey, if you've got a big journey, you can do it on chunky transport. Yeah. Chunky transport. I, lo I love that phrase. I, I don't know the technical word here. You're <laughs> the expert on this podcast. You know the words. You mm. know the transport details. I am just guessing. 
Well, yeah, this, yeah, I mean, where I live is absolutely perfect for this. I live about 20 minutes from my local train station. 20 minutes if I walk, and that's walk at pace. Whereas I, I have a car parked outside my house. So every time I leave my house to go to the station, I just sort of turn my head to the right and go, I could just take that car, couldn't I? And then, and then that's me then killing the planet for those five minutes, for the five minutes I'm driving it. And is, then is that how you think of it as you do it? You're like, oh, this feels good, killing the planet. I, 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 I think I, I think it was a bit more regret and a, a sort of mournfulness as I, as I drive along. Um, but if I could have an e-scooter, I actually, weirdly, I actually own an e-scooter. There's one in my garage, but I'm the one person in the country who is, who's obeying the law, so I do not use my e-scooter. Have you got contraband goods in your garage, James? Well, is that what you're telling me? The sale of e-scooters is completely legal. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like magic mushrooms were about 15, 20 years ago or something. We did nitrous oxide last week, <laughs> and we were completely out of our depth. And now you're like... Oh, but I have got my my kind of contraband. I know what I'm doing with breaking a law here. Okay. I know I know a good e-scooter guy. He can get some really real good stuff. You're a scooter dealer, <laughs> and you don't even use the scooter. How did you get that? So you got it when it wasn't. So so buying and selling e-scooters is completely legal. If you own private land, you can you can ride your e-scooter as much as you like. James, you own is, private land. Well, no, this is the problem. A, land is very expensive, and B, I do not own the land that goes from my house to the train station. Right. Uh, so I need to use the public highways, and that's where it's illegal because they, they basically it, it falls between two legal stools because they're too much they're too much like a car because they've got a motor, um, so they should theoretically be taxed, but you can't get them taxed or anything like that. Mm. Um, but they're also too much like a bike to go on the road, uh, I think and so they just fall between the two things. I don't know what I was thinking when I said to you, James, you've got a minute to explain this world to me. I've, I know yeah. you well enough to know that ten minutes isn't enough. Um, so <laughs> where does it go? Well, like. Mm. Is that law going to change? Are people going to be able to e-scoot legally and joyfully to the train station? Yeah, so for several years now, the Department of Transport has been sort of planning around legalising e-scooters. They've been running trials in different cities uh, with sort of like Boris bike-type schemes where you can have a go with an e-scooter. And then the the expectation is they're going to legalise private e-scooters at some point. My understanding is, and I've I've heard gossip, this is gossip now, um, scoop, scoop <laughs> alert! We'll, we'll get a like a stinger. Uh, or something but basically, there. there were plans to put this a transport bill to Parliament, but it all got delayed by, would you believe, all the Boris and Liz Trust stuff last year. Goodness. So we're still waiting for Parliament to sort of pass a law that will finally legalise e-scooters, and then there's going to be a whole political debate, I would guess, about whether they need properly licensing, whether you'll need a driving license to ride one, and so on, um, or whether you have to register it or have a number plate or something like that. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I think the government's intention is to legalise them, and it sort of makes sense because the the advocate for e-scooters actually um, think of it a bit like, again, weirdly, like drugs. They call them rideables, I guess, <laughs> oh um, because it's the same thing. Like, they're here. It's, they're it's not the same thing. I would fa- I would pick you up on that, James. They're, they're not I mean, quite the same thing. I mean, I, I, like I said last week, I'm not, I'm not a regular drug user, but my understanding is, like, e-scooting makes me very happy and, and, and feel, feel a little bit more alive. I, I'm looking at you in the studio and I like just talking about it. I can see the high. I'm getting a secondary high from seeing you talk about transport. So, okay, I get it. I get mm. it. So, yeah, basically, yeah. So, basically, you make them legal, you legalize them, then you can regulate them, and it just works out better for everyone. And they're here. People are using them. We can't uninvent an e scooter. And so, regularizing that is a good idea. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't wait. What does the picture look like nationally? Not just for scooters mm. and, and, illegal transport methods but generally there's a temptation for for myself for other people to just think about london because Mm. london's so packed in it's a very it's a city um it's Mm. with a lot of people and it's got a tube and it's got a lot of things that maybe the the rest of the the country doesn't have where are we at as a nation 
Yeah, well, London's a very weird city. The fact that we have all these discussions... Well, back off. I didn't mean... This wasn't opening up London abuse. <laughs> but we're very different to the rest of the country. If you live in London, you're much less likely to own a car, whereas a car is obviously the main uh, mode of transport for the rest of the country. And we are slowly seeing the rest of the country improve the public transport because obviously it's well and good to say to saying to people don't use your car if you live in if you don't live in london yeah. that's much more difficult whereas um the, the laws are changing so this is so boring i'm so sorry but we'll edit the, it okay, it's gonna get gonna, it's gonna get really fun in the edit i'm well, gonna put some noises that's, in and that's good because we're gonna talk about the bus services act of 2017 oh, oh baby um which is when the government changed the law over how buses are run so basically the problem with with buses um is they're very hard to coordinate they're run by private companies outside of london tfl basically can control and set the rules in london everywhere else it's a free-for-all and there's no coordination could i set up a bus company you, i think you probably could i think i i i, you, I what I mean, would it take I imagine you'd start. I haven't, I haven't prepped the bus, you for this. I, I think. Okay. Yep. Okay. Step one. Understood. Uh, and then I, I, I genuinely don't know about bus licensing off the top of my head. You, you've got one in your shed. It's it's legal to buy and sell buses if you don't use them in public. Okay. Mm. Uh, we're looking into this next week. Actually, we had someone fact check some of our stuff last week, which I'm not going to give oh, them the uh, the dignity and respect of, of reading that out on air because we know we don't know what we're talking about on something. But thank <laughs> you for, for pointing that out by your email, Richard. Um, but I am going to start a bus company, but I'm not going to tell you how I do it because I don't want people picking up on my plans. We're going to find out. So next week, mm. tune in, see if it's happened. It's not going to have happened. I, I'm not going to... Oh, I was looking forward to it. So now we've got the boring rest of the nation out of the way, I'm going to mm. zoom right into where I live. Yep. Uh, I'm in Hammersmith between two broken bridges. Uh, mm. There's Hammersmith Bridge, Wandworth Bridge is currently closed for works. What the heck is happening with bridges? Well, I, this is the thing. I mean, you, you pull West Londoner with your two broken bridges, but your 10 other bridges you can use to cross the river. Yeah, sorry. So here I am. In, I'm, I'm now, I live in North Kent. I, I used to live in East London, and we don't have any bridges where we are. We have the Dartford Crossing and then nothing uh, okay. right up until you get to the sea. And this is a really big uh, sort of transport bottleneck in the country. And there is currently um, a plan to build, not a bridge, but a tunnel. The Lower Thames Crossing has been planned now uh, for a decade. There's, I think the, the planning permission for it was 60,000 pages long, and they're still, uh, they, you know, no one started sorry. digging anything 60,000 pages I long. know. It, don't get me started on the planning laws. It's absolutely crazy. And there's a lot of, and it's a very contentious uh plan before environmental reasons as you might have, might expect because digging basically a brand new motorway under under the thames is quite a big um, that, that would ordeal. be in kent that it would, would be, be it would be in north kent it would be to just to the uh, the east of gravesend to the west of medway and then go up to whatever's in Essex. i don't know essex whatever's such a kent boy exactly and the argument in favor of it is that when you get lorries rolling off of ferries and the euro tunnel in dover to get to the rest of the country, uh, uh, you know, they have to go all the way to Dartford and across the Dartford Crossing, which is an absolute nightmare. It's basically just stationary traffic during rush hour. It's quite fun so, to look down there. Yeah, it's, it's a very cool, it's one of my favourite bridges. What's your favourite bridge? Oh, my favourite bridge is the Orison Bridge in between uh, between Sweden and Denmark. You didn't expect me to have an answer to that, No, I, I absolutely <laughs> expect you to have an answer. I absolutely <laughs> expect you to have an answer. Uh, what's your least favourite bridge? Oh, my least favourite bridge. Uh... Do you know what? Save it. We'll put it in the newsletter. It can be yep. premium content. We can do a whole list. Uh, there we go. We'll have top 10 bridges. Top ten. That's, that's the sort of thing people want to read, isn't it? I assume so. Um, but no, what was the thing? But no, no attempts crossing. It's gonna, that's going to be a big political fight. It's going to be happening soon. Oh, oh how exciting. I genuinely feel a little exhilarated about the prospect of that. So that has been What's Happening Now. 
episode two. Thank you so much for coming back, James O'Malley. It's been lovely to have you here again. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week for plenty more transport chat, train chat, bus chat. Stop, stop, stop. We need to knock this on the head. Thank you today, James O'Malley, for talking transport once. We will not revisit it for (laughs) a little while, a little while. Anoji, um, it's been great to have you again. We've learned your surname. We've learned that you're just nailing gigs left, right, and centre. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Um, have you got a busy, busy week coming up? Have you got kind of more gigs on the horizon? What's uh, what's life like for you right now? Um, really, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just riding high from that one big work, success. Working on my schedule is really is is as bad as you know, like the braces situation right now. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's just really messy. So, Enoji, if people wanted to find you on the internet, they they can do that. Yeah, they can find me at um, Onoji at Onoji's Jokes and Chow. Onoji's with an S, O N O G I E S. I don't know who ever took Onoji, but so it's plural Onoji's. There's on there. Uh, uh, can you explain to me jokes and chow, Onoji? Oh yeah, um, jokes and chow is um, it's a baby project. Uh, I, I'm looking to work on eventually. Um, bring in comedy and food together because I love food and um, yeah but it's it's quite risky so right now I'm still doing risk assessment because uh, you can't laugh while eating Nigerian food you're going to choke <laughs> specifically <laughs> Nigerian food all the food is fine you won't choke on that Nigerian yeah because it's quite spicy you know, so. and the concept is that you do a supper club that's going to be Nigerian food yeah, Nigerian and food. Nigerian jokes or just universal jokes for universal any? jokes but okay. um, yeah Universal Jokes for Nigerian Food. Amazing. Well, what's happening now, team night out at Jokes and Chow. Um, we may choke, apparently, but we're going <laughs> to do the risk assessments and find out. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. It's been lovely to have you both here. Uh, James, the newsletter will be out this weekend, Saturday morning. Again. This weekend. Subscribe now to get uh, some interesting stuff about transport Stop into it. your inbox. Stop it. If I'm worried now that people are going to be writing and going, give us more transport, and I've misjudged this situation <laughs> wildly, but we're going to find out. Yeah, sign up now um, at www.whatshappening.news and any suggestions are welcome. We're going to expand the news. We've got big plans, guys. Big plans. Jokes yeah. and chow style plans, haven't we? Yeah, big plans. I'm, I'm going to be here every week. I didn't know that. Uh, it's going to be nice. It's <laughs> going to be that. And she's taking over. That's good to yeah. know. Uh, um, yeah, newsletter out this week and we will be back next week. All right, thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.